Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 466. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, hello. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, which is playing in theaters right now. We'll also be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list and this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be great. Uh, we're going to be recording Saved by the 90s this week. We're going to be coming coming at you with another made-for-TV Christmas with four four more made-for-TV Christmas movies. And I got to tell you, I watched them. I watched them all very recently. And uh, this batch may be the most ridiculous batch we've done yet. So this is our fourth year doing a made-for-TV Christmas. And every year, I'm just so excited to dive into these absolutely ridiculous movies. And I'll say, this year, one movie features Travis Tritt, and and another movie features Randy Travis. Yes. (laughs) Travis Tritt, Randy Travis. Randy Travis Tritt. And the movies are called... uh, One is called A Holiday to Remember, and the other one is called... It's like a holiday for romance or something like that. That's like they're almost the exact same title. Do you think they're beefing with Christmas movies? Could you, could you imagine that? Randy Travis and Travis Tritt doing like diss tracks, but instead of like songs, it's through Christmas movies. I, I like that idea. I, after seeing both of these movies, I don't know who would win. Who, who okay. could be declared the winner? Because Randy Travis, in his movie, he was like the, the lead. He was the love interest. Oh, okay. So he was like a pretty major player. Yeah. But then Travis Tritt, in his movie, he was like more of a minor character. He gets His character actually gets kind of screwed over in, in it. But he's kind of a better actor than Randy okay. Travis. So I don't know. I don't know who would win. Wow. All I know is we all lost. (laughs) I don't know who won, but I can tell you we all lost with those two movies. I bet. I definitely bet. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Well, I'll be uh, announcing when that drops uh, shortly. Maybe next week I'll have a better idea. Let's uh, go ahead and get into the Fablemans. As I mentioned, this is written and directed by... Steven Spielberg, I have a synopsis here. Growing up in post-World War II era Arizona, young Sammy Fableman aspires to become a filmmaker as he reaches adolescence, but soon discovers a shattering family secret and explores how the power of films can help him see the truth. Kevin, we'll start it with you. What were your initial impressions of the Fablemans? I keep wanting to call it Meet the Fablemans. <laughs> it is kind of weird. It is weird. It it does feel natural to say "Meet the Fablemans." I don't, and I don't know why that is. But huh. that's the main thing that I have to keep myself from doing. Uh, man, I've been kind of off of Spielberg for quite some time now. Like I love Jaws, and that's about it. Like none of his other movies have really stuck with me, and a lot of them, especially lately, what he's been doing. I just do not like at all, to be honest. So this was uh, this I found this one to be an interesting watch, 
because you know it's essentially him trying to do kind of like a coming of age autobiographical type thing mm. and i'm just not that interested in that so it was a kind of a difficult watch i think there is parts of it that i enjoyed parts of it that i liked and a lot of it was just like i don't need it necessarily and a lot of it was just that kind of uh, a self-aggrandizing, like mythologizing. Like he's just this kid is just the greatest filmmaker from day one. Fucking seven years old, perfectly edited film. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking re. It's just you know that kind of thing where it's just like, all right, okay. Come on, Steve. Yeah, I. Just, I don't know. It just kind of seems like one of those things that we don't really need. Well, here's the thing, and I and I agree, I completely agree with your sentiment. I was not very enamored with this movie, and at the end of the day, I after it was over, I thought to myself, you know what? Like Steven Spielberg's biography or autobiography, it's just not that interesting. Like, sorry, his life was just kind of normal. Like he didn't have any kind of like craziness happening with his life. And I think that as a result, it leaves me feeling like I'm a little bit, eh, okay. Like a little bit lackluster on this story because there wasn't really anything exciting about it. It was just a, like a very plain coming of age story. Like he had a pretty good, life growing up and like the the conflicts as it were you know they're just not that they're just not that great like and i and i get it like this was his life you know you don't want to like go go nuts and like fabricate all kinds of crazy stuff but at the same time it's like i don't know it's just uh it's just about a kid growing up and he likes movies and he makes movies and he gets bullied in school and his parents have a difficult marriage, but, and it's like, okay, that's, there's just nothing notable about yeah, that. It's not, it's, yeah, it's not that distinct from a lot of other people's upbringing. I yeah. would think. And I don't know. And for me, it's always like, I don't know. There's always that part of me with the, like parents divorce thing like i just don't get that like i guess that that is can be like a traumatic thing but having never experienced it i just don't understand the like the obsession like the deep fascination with that yeah i mean that was a big thing in the 90s man like it's just yeah like and i never understood it because i never like i thought like divorce was just like the normal thing I'm just like, I don't understand the big deal. This is a good thing. Your parents are breaking up. Good. That's what's supposed to happen. <laughs> good. <laughs> it's better this way. Trust me. It's awesome. Get two Christmases now, or I guess Hanukkahs. Yeah. In this case. And they become they become like business partners. It's awesome. I found Michelle Williams to be a little annoying in this. I understand that that's the, it's the character. She's a very kind of manic person in this, and she's just very high energy, but... She got on my nerves. Um, it's not to say that I didn't think she did a great job and have a really good performance. It's more the character. The character annoyed me. Not, yeah, yeah. Not no, she actor. did a great job in terms of what he was going for. 
I just don't think that we necessarily enjoyed what he was going for. Yeah. Same with Paul Dano. I think Paul Dano did a really good job too. It's just, and and there were, there were elements of this that I did like, uh, there were certain scenes and certain like specific, uh, camera shots and stuff. He did, he did like, um, a lot of the kind of, he did a lot of panning in this, which I don't really remember him doing a lot of in, in a lot of his other movies, but a lot of the, like the pans that he does, I think looked really good in this. And obviously anything that takes place in a movie theater, I think that he was, he really seemed to want to show off the, the, the movie theater experience as being something like kind of magical. So all of those scenes are like really framed meticulously and look really good. And yeah, there were like specific, elements that i enjoyed there's something about his approach yeah i'm kind of the same thing there's certain things to his approach that i just find kind of like like when his paul dano's taking him to the movies for the first time and he's like literally going through like how movies work it's just like okay we're gonna have a quick quick rundown of how that was like the first scene of the movie too i know (laughs) it's just like jesus christ come on but I, but I did I did enjoy certain like the the most interesting aspect that I had of it was him making the when he was editing the the camping trip. Mm-hmm. I think it was when he was editing the camping trip, and he kind of saw like you know his mom, his real mom for like the first time, and it was kind of like instead of making um, like purely entertainment action type he was kind of coming to the realization of like what film can be capable of. And I found that interesting, but then a lot of it too, is just like, especially towards the end, it just feels like he kind of ran out of stuff and it's just kind of like anecdotes. Like, Hey, I met John Ford once. That was the best scene in the whole go. movie though. So <laughs> yeah, but it was also in a really opinion. stupid fucking scene. In my opinion, <laughs> it's just like, okay, I don't know. <laughs> Great. I guess that's what, I mean, honestly, like I, I will admit that I don't know the 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 biography of of Steven Spielberg. Like, I'm I'm not sure how he got his start. I thought he went to film school with like Coppola and all those guys. I thought he was like one of the early film school people. Yeah, I have. I don't know. Like he and went like thing. like him and Lucas and Coppola and. The thing is, is I've never wanted to know, but I like him. Like I do like him, but I just, I mean, I'm not enamored with him. Like a lot of people are. I think he's a great director. Who's had a very successful career, by the way, uh, David Lynch plays John Ford. I just want to get that out there. And it was, that's the, it was that's awesome. the only reason that you enjoyed it. <laughs> if it was someone else playing John Ford, you would be Absolute, like, this is a no. stupid fucking scene. Yeah, of course, of course with the, <laughs> but, but, but hearing David Lynch as John Ford talk about like the, the horizon line, I just, I loved it. Like I thought, yeah. I thought that was great. But yeah. Getting back to Spielberg. I, you know, obviously he's made some absolute, classics he's a prolific director he's made some incredible uh game-changing films over the years uh, but uh i think that his recent output maybe even over like the last 10 years has been 
not not incredible. Just is like just kind of kind of average. I mean, even when he's at his best, in my eyes, he's just really good at making a technically accomplished, entertaining film with some pretty enjoyable technical aspects to it. But to me, I just and I think this movie, The Fablemans. I kind of solidified it for me is like he has no interest in art outside making these little films that he makes. And then even when he's asked to like describe like the paintings with the John Ford, like his approach is just like, there's two people and there's a horse. And it's just like, yeah, dude, like all you know is entertainment. Exactly. I mean that when that, that, that is Spielberg, like his, he he is good at making popcorn movies, you know. Like he he's like one of the he's one of the people who defined the summer blockbuster. Oh yeah. So I think that's part of the issue with the Fable Myths is that it, this kind of comes off of it's just you know that saccharine sentimentality, just a bit too much. I was me. you know it's it's funny because like I'm I'm kind of a sucker for movies about movies. And I know that like critics typically eat that shit up, but for some reason, this one, even though it is a a love letter to cinema in a lot of ways, it really didn't, it really didn't grab me like, uh, like a lot of other films that, that are sort of love letters to the cinema, you know, like matinee, yeah. Like Joe Dante's amazing matinee. But it's also kind of interesting because does it truly feel like a love letter to cinema? Because really it's just like him as a little kid being like super into the train crash and he wants the train to crash. But like, no, I don't really feel like tw- throughout the Fablemans, I really get this sense of like, he has to create, like he has to, there's something that like, he has to make something and He's searching for something. He's just kind of like, okay, I'm making a camping movie for my mom. Okay, I'm making this, you know, it's kind of like a jobber mentality where he's like, okay, I'm making this ditch day for the school. I mean, a lot of, a I lot like of the this things, is kind of fun. Uh, it's, I think it's because like a lot of the stuff in here just feels very surface level. Like part of it is, you know, this is Sammy, you know, discovering film and, and learning how to make movies and edit and stuff like that. And then the other part is like this family drama where, you know, he, he's, it, it, it's like mostly about his, his parents and like the, the, the turmoil that comes with like his dad going to different jobs and stuff like that. But I feel like it, it, it's just, it doesn't really dive too deeply into anything because it just tries to cover so much ground and it's like, and it's also very long too. It's a lengthy movie. Yeah. But even then, with it being as lengthy as it is, it, the, uh, I think it's what after the, the ditch day, like, you know, prom movie that he shows, it just, it just feels really rushed after that. Yeah. And like the whole interaction with like the one bully and, <clears throat> Yeah, and then even, again, the John Ford thing, just it's like the movie's over, and he's like, oh, yeah, but I met John Ford once. Let me throw that in. (laughs) 
Mm. I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel like it's just too... It, it tries to tell this, like, huge story, this big coming-of-age story, but I feel like it, it's, it's a, a little too scattershot to really, at least for me, have any kind of, like, emotional resonance. Like, it was yeah. entertaining, it was fine, but it didn't make me, like want to cry didn't make me want to like fall in love with the movies all over again or anything like that like it it just it just wasn't uh wasn't what i had kind of hoped it would be yeah and surprisingly it didn't even i even like doing this and at the end of it i wasn't even thinking to myself like man i gotta check out some more spielbergs that's just kind of like yeah, I think I saw the ones that I wanted to see. Well, but interestingly enough, the flip side of that is I found this to be much better than a lot of the his recent output that I saw. You know, between like a war, what else? The post, Jesus Christ. I, I was trying to remember like how I felt about the post, but I don't, I honestly don't even remember how the I felt about that. Like straight trash. Yeah. So interestingly enough, it's pretty good for what he's been doing lately. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Did he direct Big Fucking Guy? Yeah. He did Big Fucking Guy? Mm-hmm. Get out of here. Wow. I didn't see that movie, so... Unbelievable. I, I, I remember... I remember the, the War Horse and Lincoln days. Those were... Those were rough. <laughs> yep. And... We can't forget Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> Is that a good one? No. People enjoy that? <laughs> Come on. People don't enjoy that? Yeah. Uh I think I think that there what what I think one of the things that made Spielberg so great was like the the level of like cozy, like kind of family oriented storytelling that he did i mean obviously when we talk about like amblin style films like he's the one who you know kind of created that with you know et and and even jaws has that vibe (laughs) and close encounters of course like his early movies like his he just lost that style i think because his new his newer movies are just so much glossier and like I, he's like trying to tell these like really big narratives, like these big stories that I just I don't know that he needs to tell them. Uh, yeah, I just yeah, I just I, for me this is just not for me. It's just not I guess not a big enough of a, a Spielberg fan. I didn't think the dialogue was very good either. Like I thought that a lot of the dialogue was really just hammy, just che- cheesing it up. Jeez. Oh yeah. There's a lot of cheese in this. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people were loving this movie. Like I, I, when I marked it on Letterboxd, I saw that it had like, a, what is it? Like a 4.7 average or something. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Oh, sorry. 4.2. So people, I mean, most people are just loving it, but I'm just not, I don't know. Like it was fine. I don't, I didn't, I didn't think it was a bad movie, but I just, yeah, it didn't, didn't really touch me. 
No. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and give it a score. Kevin, what are you going to give it a, 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 the Fablemans out of 10? Out of 10 for the Fablemans? Like a f- 5? Maybe a half, 5? I'm sitting at a 5.5 on this one. Just, just really just didn't quite do it for me. I, I was hoping for more. I, I like... I like family dramas like this. I like movies about movies. It took place in the 50s and 60s. I mean, everything was like kind of checking the boxes for me, but it just didn't end up being something that really grabbed me. Yeah, and it's also not bad, but it's just one of those frustrating, like, it's fine. I mean, at the end of the day, it's It's just like... experience to be had, but afterwards, you're just like, I didn't necessarily need that. Nope. Turns out Steven Spielberg had just a regular old upbringing, just like everybody else or most other people. All right, let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. I only have one thing to mention because I was traveling. I was traveling this week and I was trying to also watch my Christmas movies for Saved by the 90s. But I did have a chance to squeeze in Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Uh, This was a long one, too, which surprised me. It's like two hours long. And. Normally animated, especially stop motion animated films are typically on the shorter side. So that yeah, was kind of rude. That was kind of a surprise. Uh, this movie's good. If you, you know, we've talked about Pinocchio a couple times in, in the last several weeks on the show. I don't particularly like the Pinocchio story. This is a very sort of by the book Pinocchio story. So you kind of know exactly what's going to happen in it. The thing that, mm-hmm. that I think is a reason to check this movie out is, the A, the animation, which is incredible. Maybe some of the best stop-motion animation I've ever seen. Like, multiple times as I'm watching it, I'm just, like, thinking to myself, how did they possibly animate this? Like, the movement is so fluid, and there's so much, like, articulation and... I it, it's incredible. Like the, the the level of skill that was that's on display here with with the models, the the movements, everything. It, it just looks incredible. The 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 set design, like it's all just absolutely top notch stuff. All of the the creature design too looks, you know, it's very very much within that Del Toro style, and it's great. Loved all that. Uh, the second reason to watch it is Ewan McGregor as uh, Jiminy Cricket because it's an incredible character and he's funny. He's uh, he's witty. He just he knows exactly what to say. And, and Ewan McGregor does such an amazing job in in this role. Uh, he is definitely the the star of the show here. Like. The way that they designed him, he's just, it's just so adorable and he's funny. It's almost, I would say it's almost worth it just to, just to, just to experience Jiminy Cricket because he's so good in this. Uh, Everything else is just kind of fine. I found Pinocchio to be really annoying. Like his energy level is just through the roof. Like, this kid is just, he's going nuts, man. He's got way too much energy. They need to, like, give him some Ritalin or something, get, get calm him down a bit. But, uh, yeah, other than that, it's it's fine. Like, 
I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Uh, it's kind of depressing. Like the end is pretty depressing. I will say, but, um, yeah, it's, I guess a light recommend from me. Uh, it's on Netflix, so you can check it out on there. A quick question for you though. When you were traveling, were you trying to watch your made for TV movies, Mm -hmm. your Christmas movies, like while you were traveling? Yes. So there was people that might have seen you on a plane watching yeah. a Travis Tritt yes. Christmas well, movie. Yes. To, I mean, to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I short, love that. The, the love short the answer idea. is yes, I did watch them on airplanes and in airports and in hotels. Did airports and airplanes help them in any way or did it make it worse? I would imagine it made it worse. Um, It's hard to say. I would say like. Maybe the same, maybe a little bit worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I just, I'm imagining someone getting home and like either going to their significant other or their friend or something. You're going to be like, the weirdest thing. I was on this plane and the guy beside me loads up a movie and it's a fucking trip made for TV Christmas movie from like the 90s. That's what he watched on the plane. Yep. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> just. Mm. <laughs> I just love it. I love the idea of it. Absolutely incredible. Uh, I only watched one of the, well, I watched two things. One of them being a uh, the uh, traditional rewatch of Scrooge from 1991 with Alistair Sim, which uh still awesome. Still good stuff. Uh, the only other thing that I watched is a Turkish movie called Time to Love from 1965, directed by Mitten Erksun. This is Mubi's first ever restoration project, okay? So Mubi getting into the restoration game, and they picked a hell of a movie. Like, this is, this is pretty damn good. It's also kind of absurd, because it's, in a lot of ways, it's like a romantic comedy, but it's also, like, very, very artistically shot. Just absolutely gorgeous. But the premise of this movie is there's this guy named Halil. He's a... He's a decorator. He's like a house painter. He does all sorts of stuff. And he's on the, the, the Prince's Islands, uh, south of Istanbul. So it's like, a you know, how, these villas for rich people. And for the most of the time, they're not there. And then they come, you know, vacation in the summertime or whatever. So him and his, him and his uh, older gentleman that he's buddies with, they, their job is to, you know, spruce these places up for when the rich people finally come. So last year... He worked at a house, and he essentially became infatuated with a photograph of the young woman that lives at the villa, or that, you know, vacations there. She has a giant portrait above her fireplace, and he's just in love with the picture. He goes every single day, he, like, breaks into their house, and he just smokes cigarettes, listens to music, and just stares at the picture, Mm. right? So it's autumn. No one's ever coming out, but her and her girlfriends kind of make like a surprise visit. She comes into the house. Boom. There he is sitting in a chair staring at the painting. She's like, what the hell? And, you know, not confrontational or anything at all. He's just like, I'm going to leave. You know, I don't do anything. I just come here, look at the photograph. She's like, that's fine. Just please don't do it anymore. He's like, okay, I won't do it. But instead of being like kind of creeped out by the whole thing, she's like, man, this guy must really love me, you know? Like, he's coming to check out this painting every day. So she starts trying to court him, and he's like, no, no thank you. 
I like your picture. I have no interest in you whatsoever. And she's just like, we, we should love each other. He's like, absolutely the fuck not. I love your picture. Get away from me. I, I want nothing to do with you. Which is just like, and that's the whole concept of the film. It's just her trying to get him. And he's like, nope. I like the picture. I don't like you. And then finally she gives him the picture. And he's like, yes, this is the perfect world for me. Because now I can just have, have it all the time. And she's like heartbroken. And then they get together for like a little bit. And it's just, I mean, just the premise of this is not at all what I was expecting from a Turkish movie from 1965. Especially like the way that it's shot. It's like, it's a very, it's, you know, it's just incredible looking. And they're like, it, that's the, that's the entire premise. <laughs> mm. It's just hilarious to me that she keeps trying, which is kind of weird, right? From the off, like, she's desperately trying to get this guy. And she's even, like, seeing someone at the time. And he's just like, fuck off. I like your picture. Not you. God, what don't you get? That's <laughs> such a weird premise. I love it. <laughs> and then he, like, at one point, because she gives him the picture, and he just, like, goes out on, like, a boat. Like, you know, like, a, like on the lake with a rowboat. And it's just him in the picture. But it's never played as, like, a comedy comedy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's a very interesting. I I definitely recommend it. It's a very interesting movie. Well, I'm definitely interested in that. Time to love from 1965. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. We have Avatar: The Way of the Water. Mm-hmm. That's that's really the the only one and the biggest the biggest one. This looks horrible. I'm sorry. It just doesn't look good at all. Like, I saw the trailer, and there's just nothing appealing about that movie to me. Like, like the the effects work doesn't look that incredible. I never liked the creature design in, in that movie to begin with. I just, I don't get it. Like, I think James Cameron's a good director, and I would just love him to do something else other than Avatar. Because I, I just I feel like this is how he's going to end his career, like yeah. this this is yeah. it for him, you know? Because he's feel that way, and I think the thing that gets me now is just like it's too much. It's too much CG. Like it's just all CG. Like I saw one trailer yesterday, and it's just nonstop CG, and it's just I I don't want this is too much. I don't need that. Yeah, I mean it. It's an animated film, really. Like. A lot of them, you can say that there's too much CG in like Marvel movies and stuff, but this one is like, I mean, the last one too, the last one was like 90% CG. So I just, I don't know. And I just don't find the story to be very compelling either. On VOD this week, starting on the 13th, we have Dragon Eats Eagle. Dragon Eats Eagle. Two low-level but immortal government workers follow orders from their absurd superiors that will determine the fate of their country in a film nobody would make but everyone wants to see. What? (laughs) Excuse me? Interesting. All right. What's, What's that called again? Dragon Eats Eagle. Dragon Eats Eagle. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to say, I'm a little bit intrigued by that synopsis. It, 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 but the it looks really bad. Yeah. Well, I oh, see. Tubi. 
It's on Tubi right now. Oh, is it? <laughs> mm. Is that a Tubi, Tubi original? Maybe. Hold up, I'm going to start watching it on Tubi. <laughs> <laughs> you can continue. Uh, we also have Boy Scouts Honor on the 13th. That's a documentary about the uh, the corruption and abuse within the Boy Scouts. On the 16th, we have The Apology. Let's see. As Good as Dead. Action movie with Corbin Burnson. You say Corbin. Not Corbin Burnson. Sorry. Tom Berenger. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, major league. Major league link there. Like that you got mix those two up. Yeah, they kind of look the same in this poster. There's only a, there's a very specific demographic that would mix them up. <laughs> very small demographic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lullaby. Let's see, what is lullaby about? It's a film follows a new mother who discovers a lullaby in an ancient book and soon regards the song as a blessing, but her world transforms into a nightmare when the lullaby brings forth an ancient demon, Lilith. Oh, God. Yeah. Nanny's going to be on Amazon Prime. Uh, We got Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. This is going to be on Netflix. This is the one from uh, fucking... Mm -hmm. What's his name? (laughs) God damn it. I know. It's It's the guy. Inuritu? Is that who yes, did it? There you go. Yeah, you got it. I don't know. What do you think about this one? I'll probably check it out. I mean, it's on Netflix. So. It's an epic, visually stunning, and an immersive experience set against the intimate and moving journey of Silverio, a renowned Mexican journalist and documentary filmmaker living in Los Angeles, who, after being named the recipient of a prestigious international award, is compelled to return to his native country, unaware that the simple trip will push him to an existential limit. Mm. How's that for a sentence? Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. Also on, also on Netflix, we have the volcano rescue from Wakari. We have high heat with Don Johnson. That's a Saban films release. And then is, uh, okay. So the 16th is Friday. All right. So that's it. Blu-ray. We got Highlander coming out in 4K. That's the 1986 one. Uh, Carrie is getting a 4K release. The, 19, the original 1976 version. Uh, the Vestron Collector Series is putting out a Silent Night, Deadly Night collection, which is uh, contains parts three, four, and five. Uh, Coraline coming out in 4K. I've been meaning to rewatch Coraline. I'm such a big fan of that. Looks like Paranorman is also coming out in 4K. Yeah. Ghost Watch from 1992 is coming out on a limited collector's edition. That was a really interesting one. I'd, I'd recommend checking out Ghost Watch. I think that's on Shudder. Creature from the Black Lake from 1976. Spider from 2002. I think that's a that's a Cronenberg, if I'm correctly. Spider. My Best Friend's Wedding coming out in 4K. Silent Running from 1972. Hell yeah. Arrow is putting that out in 4K. The Woman King from earlier this year. Double Target from 1987. I oh, know. Cop Game from 1988. 
and Born to Fight from 1989. Man, there looks like a lot of... This has to be some kind of like series that's... The Severin oh Films is putting this goodness. out. You have to look up Cop Game on Letterboxd. That poster alone, god damn, watch list. <laughs> Boom. Oh, there's no synopsis on uh, here. Cop. Oh, you want to hear the cop game synopsis? Yeah. We're talking about 1988 cop game. Right? Yeah. Bruno Mate. Mm-hmm. In the final days of the Vietnam War, someone is killing the officers of the elite Cobra Force. Two undercover MPs are assigned to the case. The trail leads from the streets of Saigon to the war zone. Well, that's going on my watch list as well. Uh, Maniac Driver from 2020. We got the Hallelujah Trail from 1986. Uh, Smile is coming out. Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Blood and Diamonds from 1977. Ticket to Paradise. Oh, yeah. Ticket to Paradise. Yeah. Kevin's one of Kevin's few theater watches from this year. (laughs) That's right, buddy. A Girl on a Motorcycle from 1968. Uh, a Fish in the Bathtub from 1998. Shouldn't be there. <laughs> no, probably shouldn't. Uh, Boxcar Bertha from 1972. Uh, Walk Proud from 1979. The Roundup, which I would definitely recommend. It's yeah. a good one. Uh, Slashback. That's on Shutter as well, but... Uh, I'd recommend Slashback too. That's that's a really solid, solid creature feature. Uh, Medusa from last year, Piranha Women. That's from this year. Uh, the first turn on from 1983. That's a trauma film. Uh, let's see what else. Nightmare Symphony from 2020. Uh, we'll say that's it. What about Criterion's? We got two. We got the Velvet Underground documentary from Todd Haynes from 2021 coming out. And then we got a box set, three films by Maya Zetterlin, the Swedish director. Three films from the 60s. Nice. There you go. Nice. When is, is Cooley High coming out soon? Because I see that on the list here. Cooley High? Why do you ask after I just closed it? I wasn't prepared. It says December 13th. Maybe Ooh. it already came out. Like maybe it's like some sort oh, of. Oh shit. That is a December 13th. Yes. My fault. Cooley high as well. Nice. Michael Schultz move from uh, 1975. Man. they're I've never seen. Usually they only come out with like one thing. Yeah. Like a box set and two other ones. Jeez. I've never seen Cooley high, but I've always wanted, like it's always been kind of on my list. So maybe maybe I'll finally get around to this one. Do it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That'd be great. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Bye.